Welcome to Poppyland Songs, hashtag life on a cliff edge, written and produced by me, your host, Bertie. Poppyland Songs is supported using public funding through Arts Council England. There upon the cliffs you'll find Poppyland Where it Episode 1, Life on a Cliff Edge For those who lived and died in Poppyland Seven years ago, on a beautiful glowing late summer's day I found myself in the reading rooms in the village of Sidestrand, North Norfolk A building I'd not been in since I was a child sipping celery soup at a harvest supper. So, naturally, it felt tiny. I spent the first 11 years of my life in Sidestrand, and having found out recently that I was pregnant for the first time, I was feeling nostalgic. I had come to the reading rooms to meet a man about a Hammond organ. It had belonged to a local musician and organist at Sidestrand Church, Henry Lloyd. I remember Henry from my childhood. He would play the organ as we filed into the tiny church on Sunday mornings. The gentle, muffled tone of the small organ was sombre, soothing and welcoming. It was only later that my dad would tell me that, more often than not, Henry would actually be playing songs from the American songbook rather than the traditional hymn book. Oh, what a beautiful morning instead of morning has broken. A bit of anything goes. Henry had given this Hammond to the reading rooms, but now that they were being renovated and he was long gone, there was no one to play it, so they were looking for a new home for it. On hearing this, I jumped at the chance of procuring a big old Hammond organ. I completely bypassed the question of where I would put it in my small London flat. My dad had brokered the deal and agreed on my behalf that in payment I'd do a concert in the church the following year. Standing outside in the warm sunshine, all was idyllic and hazy in that special, bewitching North Norfolk way. So I agreed, and in fact declared that I would write a song cycle, all about the area, Poppyland. I suppose I should tell you a bit about myself. I am a professional musician and composer. I grew up in North Norfolk, which is where I started my musical training. I started learning the piano and violin when I was six years old. Piano with Terry Keeler and violin with Norman Moore, both from Cromer. Sadly, Norman died just a couple of weeks ago that I'm recording this. I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to reconnect with Norman before he passed away. His family got in touch with me and I was able to pay him a visit. And we had a lovely chat about music and about his career And he was playing violin almost up till the end, and he was 94. I had the opportunity to thank him for setting me on the path that would ultimately lead to me having this wonderful career playing music all around the world. I even had the opportunity to play his violin to him one last time, just just a few hours before he passed away. Thank you, Norman. Thank you for all the music. I have not lived in North Norfolk for over 20 years, as you may note by my distinct lack of a Norfolk accent. I settled in London after I finished school and I've had a really great fortune to have toured all around the world performing music, composing. You might know me um, from 
either of my bands, the Bobo Bells, which is a swing folk band, or maybe Bojangles, we're a theatrical comedic string quartet. (laughs) I won't lie that Covid has certainly made a dramatic impact on my career. The performing arts were one of the industries to be particularly hard hit. But with Bojangles, at least, we we did all we could to adapt and work through this difficult time. Last year, we wrote a brand new show that is currently on tour. It's called Dracula in Space. (laughs) It's our first original and self-penned musical comedy, and we composed it and wrote it during lockdown a year ago. Um, Catch it if you can. To find out more, visit bojangles.org or if you want to know more about the Bobo Bells, that's thebbbs.com. At the end of last year, I finally moved back up to North Norfolk with my husband, two kids and dog. Moving up to the coast wasn't in our original plan, but we decided to follow the winds of change and found ourselves here in Chroma. So let's go back to that hazy late summer day. In order to give me some inspiration to write this song cycle, my dad, Eddie Anderson, presented me with a small collection of journals written by my great-great-aunt Kit. So let's start at the beginning. Kit, aka Christabel Hood. She was my great-great-aunt and she had lived in the house that I grew up in, in Sidestrand, North Norfolk. In that house, my father found a set of notebooks dated from 1912 to 1914. I couldn't have done any of this without my dad, so let's bring him into the conversation. Hi, Dad. Hello. Can you just introduce yourself and tell me a bit about you? I'm Eddie Anderson, and I live at Templewood in Northrops. For many years, I worked for Angley Television as a producer, and I also made a very long-running history programme called Bygones. I produced the programme and I was the writer and sometimes the presenter on that programme with Dick Joyce. Dad is going to tell us all about who Kit was. Kit Hood uh, was born Christabel Mary Hoare and she was the youngest daughter of Sir Samuel Hoare of Cromer and Sidestrand. She was born in 1886 and mostly taught at home. She was clearly a very clever woman. And when she was a young teenager, she started to take an interest in local history matters, uh, in particular the people who lived in the village of Sidestrand and the neighbouring village of Northreps. There were far more people living in those parishes then uh, because there were so many people required to work on the farms. Much of the farmland was actually owned by her father, Sam Hoare. For those who don't know Sidestrand, it's a small parish with a tiny village on the North Norfolk coast, just down the road from the more famous Overstrand, previously known as the Village of Millionaires, and not far from the even more famous Cromer, with its Cromer crabs and pier. There's no shop or pub, just a collection of houses, a small church and Sidestrand Hall, which was formerly a private residence, in fact it's where Kit grew up, but for many years it has been a school for students with complex needs. The land and sea are in constant battle. The beaches are far less accessible than surrounding villages and towns and there is a certain wildness to this stretch of the coast. The cliffs are high, up to 50 metres, but they are not solid and they feel quite dangerous. Rapid erosion makes them unstable, the edges ragged. Collapses occur fairly frequently 
and had been known to take whole buildings with them. In fact, just a few weeks ago, there was a massive slip down the coast at Munsley. Despite its small size, it was, in fact, Sidestrand that first caught the imagination of the Victorian travel journalist Clement Scott when he came across the abandoned church tower of the original church in Sidestrand, forlorn on the clifftop. He would immortalise the area as Poppyland, and I'll talk more about that period of history and Scott in the next episode. As part of Kit's research, she interviewed her neighbours in Sidestrand and gathered stories, history, local lore, songs and old sayings. Although she didn't go to school, she was obviously well taught and well read. And she started writing down notes about conversations um, and sayings that she heard from people in the fields. She was obviously fairly well liked as a young woman, always went about the, uh, the farms and, and people knew who she was. So she was possibly slightly unusual, this young, very pretty girl who wandered about chatting to the chaps in the fields. The people she interviewed the most were a couple, John Gray and his wife Alvina. John was born in Sidestrand in 1829. He was a traditional labourer and despite his age, he would have been in his 80s when Kit interviewed him. He appears to have been a, a very willing participant who loved to tell stories and frequently would burst into song. In her notebook from 1913 titled A Country Miscellany, she recorded a song learnt by John from a famous old lady, Mrs Church of Northreps, who used to sing it at Harvest Frolics. Now, at no point does Kit record the melodies of any of the verses she has transcribed, but fortunately versions of this particular song were known elsewhere around the country, so I was able to track down the melody. This is the North Norfolk version of the traditional folk song, Let No One Steal Your Time. Come all young women and maids that are all in your prime Mind how you weed your garden gate Let no one steal your time Let no one steal your time I have time, time enough to last me night and day. There came to me a false young man, stole all my time away, stole all my time away. And now my time. Thank you. 
that running root, I'd plant my old time again. I'd plant my old time again. Stand you off, stand you off, jolly oak. As the stars are true to the sky, as the stars are true to the sky. In the oral tradition of folk songs, it is common for there to be variations in melody and lyrics from region to region. Kit notes that that last verse. Stand ye off, jolly oak, either wither or die. I'll be true to my own true love, as the stars are true to the sky. Was in fact added by John himself. These four lines are at the heart of what inspired Poppy Land's songs. If Kit hadn't decided to embark upon her research and had not approached John and taken down his words, and then my father had not found the journals and then passed them on to me so that I could sing them, then this verse, composed by Mr John Gray of Sidestrand, would have been lost to time. Kit was very interested in particular in the stories that were told by, uh, by the people in the, in, on the farms. Uh, and eventually she wrote a, a massive uh, book called The Chronology of an East Anglian Soak. And this includes early medieval records that she bothered to dig up. And it's a very unusual book because it includes family histories and it relates to not just Sidestrand and Northrops, but uh, about 30 other parishes within what was called the Soak of East Anglia. As you will hear over the next few episodes, I was inspired by Kit's journals. Some of the other lyrics I found I've put to music. I've written a number of songs about the area, including stories I grew up with like the mythical dog Black Shuck and local legends like Sally Bean and the infamous smuggler Ted Summers. It led me to research the area I grew up in, to understand where I came from and how we all got here. It's made me interested in knowing how different things were then to now. So, I want to continue where Kit left off. My mission is to gather the testimony and stories of the current residents of Poppyland, just like Kit did, in order to create more music and song to form a community musical tapestry all about the sea, land and lives lived on this cliff edge, to find out how much things really have changed, if at all. So I'm reaching out to you, dear listeners. I welcome anyone who would like to share something with me about life here. Perhaps you also have journals written by a long-gone relative or maybe an often-told family story that you'd like to share. Or maybe you have an heirloom or a photo with an interesting tale attached. Perhaps someone in your family claims to have seen Black Shuck. Have you heard of Hiker Sprites, the Shipton Bells, Shrieking Pits? Or maybe you're more interested in talking about the sea, the cliffs the birds, migration, the future and what it might hold. You don't have to have any experience in the arts or creative writing. The, the only rule is it's about life, past, present and future here in Poppyland. You don't have to have been born here and have many ancestors here. If you moved here ten years ago, five years ago, the fact you are here makes you a Poppylander. If you'd like to be involved but a bit nervous about what to say, then don't worry, I've compiled a little questionnaire that can help inspire you. You can find that on my website, bertiebow.com or on social media at bertiebow. 
I'm interested to hear any story, big or small. Another song in a country miscellany was attributed to a Mrs Cowie or Lady Cowie from the almshouses, Lexington, Suffolk. Like the others, there is no melody recorded and through my research I couldn't find any reference to this song anywhere, so I decided to put it to music myself. This is Good Matches. I'd be really interested to speak to anybody 
that has intimate knowledge of the old traditional songs of North Norfolk. Kit's journals have a number of songs and verses recorded, but I haven't been able to find reference to them and they're possibly not written down anywhere else. So it would be amazing to find out if any of them other people know. So if you have any knowledge in this area, please get in touch. Kit's journals have provided us with a window into the lives of John and Alvina and their neighbours, people who would otherwise never have had their lives recorded in any other way beyond birth and death certificates. They lived through really hard times when food was scarce, wages were low and life was a struggle. Within the journals, John tells of those hard days, like when there was no food in the house and he'd have to go out and do a full day's work, walking to Buxton and back, and was glad to receive a mouldy and black crust of bread off old Mrs Golden. He describes the night his son Alfred was born in March 1853. There was a lot of snow. When he went to Cromer on foot to fetch the doctor, the snow was level with the deeks or the dykes. He ran all the way and said that it was bright as day, with the moon and hares were a running around him looking as big as dogs it was so cold the flannels frizz in the bedroom but they brought up a large family and lived many years together with never a crossword john died march 19th 1917 he was 88 years old according to the side strand parish magazine in notice of his death a life of honorable toil like that led by John Gray, is greatly to be respected. Everyone in the neighbourhood will always remember him with respect and love, as the true type of the kindly old-fashioned Norfolk labourer and as a good friend to all. His wife Alvina Bloom died on April the 14th, less than three weeks later. They were both buried at Northreps. With the passing of this old couple, the loss of the link with the past was felt. But thanks to Kit's journals, over a hundred years later, here we have a small link to that time and their lives in their own words. Now, speaking of descendants, in front of him, my dad had a book called The Unbroken Thread, written by Viscount Templewood. He had it open at the family tree of the Hall family, and there are a lot of Samuel Halls in it. John Gray talks about Sam Hall a fair bit in the journals, always referring to him as Old Sam. Now, the Hoare family had been extremely successful merchants and then bankers uh, for six generations. And the, the eldest son in each generation was always called Samuel. So by the time we got to the 20th century, we'd reached Sam Hoare the sixth. <laughs> I think John Gray, when he referred to funny old Sir Samuel was referring to Samuel Hoare V. Uh, he was born in 1841 and died in 1915. And he was the one who bought the land at Sidestrand and employed all the farm labourers there. And he also employed a lot of people in his house at Sidestrand Hall. So he is the father of Kit so it's interesting that, that John Gray was familiar enough with the family, who after all were his, um, his employer, his landlord, uh, and owned the whole village. But he was familiar enough with them that he could um, say what he thought. Mm. And he must have got on pretty well with Sam Hoare V, the old boy, 
who was later on known as Old Sam, because his son, Samuel Hoare Templewood, was known as Uncle Sam. Throughout the journals, Kit always transcribes John's words as he says them. Um, so she's written as she hears the North Norfolk accent. So I'm going to read something from the journal now in my best North Norfolk accent. <laughs> I apologise in advance. I'll be reading it sort of phonetically how she's written it. Old Sam Hall would get on to that old mare and he'd go clippity-hippity down to road. That was a funny old gentleman. I promise, dear listener, that in future episodes I will endeavour to find someone who can actually do the Norfolk dialect to read these journals to you. I think about Kit a lot. I have a photo of her from when she was probably in her 60s, looking at me right now by my desk. She has a steely gaze, but a kindly face. I have a connection with her now that, although I'm a bit older than she was when she started collecting, I'm doing what she did. I'm walking the same ground she did. I'm approaching people, sometimes quite nervously, to talk about their lives. I wonder whether she found it hard to find people to talk to her, because they must have been confused what this young woman wanted to know about their lives, as are some people when I ask them today. She had a baby in 1917, the year John and Alvina died, called Richard. Sadly, whilst he was still a babe in arms, she lost her husband, Ivor, during the war in 1918. And even more tragically, Richard would die of complications from measles when he was just 12. Well, clearly, having had a, a very rich start to her life, she was the youngest daughter of a very, very wealthy man, uh, and she was very privileged. But her life really took a very sad turn. She'd lost her husband and she'd lost her son. And her father had already died, and a bit later her mother died. Towards the end of her life, she uh, had a companion, Mary Blythe, who lived with her and outlived her by a few years. As well as her journals, Kit kept photo diaries. The number of photos gave away her family's wealth. The later pages were dedicated to Richard, the final one of him standing at the front door of Garden Close Sidestrand, the house I grew up in. He's standing there proudly in his school uniform, a precursor to the official first day of school photos we are now all so accustomed to. This final image was taken shortly before his death. Beyond that image, the pages of the rest of the book lie empty. Kit and Richard are buried with other members of their family in Sidestrand Churchyard. The final song today is dedicated to all those who have lived and died here in Poppyland, but in particular to Norman Moore, Kit and Richard. Time lies heavy in the garden of sleep here among the poppies, old memories run deep Lost in the long grass lies a basket of bones In the shade of an old church rescued stone by stone The great greedy North Sea devours the land Homes 
the top the failing cliffs must surely be damned wind in the windows a mournful hell lost to davy jones another home falls down follow the strand there upon the cliffs you'll find poppy land where it all On the day Scott met Louis, the maid of the mill, one stroke of his pen, it changed her life. They came from far and wide to try her blackberry pie. Follow the strand, there upon the cliffs you'll find poppy land. listening to this first episode of Poppyland Songs. I'd love to hear of your experiences of living here in Poppyland, North Norfolk. Please get in touch. You can email me at poppylandsongs at gmail.com. My website is www.bertiebow.com. You can find me on Facebook under at Bertie Bow and Instagram at Bertie Bow. Please check out the questionnaire. You can find that on the website or if you email me, I can send it to you or post it to you if you prefer a physical. If you'd like to hear any of my songs again, then you can find them on my website. The next episode is all about the origin story of Poppyland. 
the fashionable holiday destination that was created in the late 1800s in large part due to the infamous Clement Scott, that writer and journalist who christened the area as Poppyland. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a quiz. Here are some Norfolk words recorded by Kit. She got them from John Gray and other local people at the time. To pingle, or to be a pingler. A morther. Stingy. Old Sarah. A dicker. Pytle. A car. Cushies. Car. A deek. Fatigue. Sea kitties. What would it mean if you said, I'm fairly avidupoised? Do you know any of them? Have you got any more for me? Let me know. See you next time. Bye. Poppyland Songs was hosted, written, produced and recorded by me. It's a one-woman show. (laughs) But it wouldn't be possible with the help of my dad and family. And also the support from the Arts Council as Poppyland Songs is supported using public funding from Arts Council England. Yay, thank you for making this possible.